on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here's a swing, a long fly ball into left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up, get up, get up. Oh, yeah. This one is going to go. Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. And welcome into another and the final edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amron. Alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby. Ben Boyd, our executive producer. Mike Anderson here in our network studios. A big thanks as always to Ann Carroll from the Cardinals Radio Network and Klabes, uh Not exactly the final show that we envisioned as we expected to be getting ready to break camp, talking final roster moves and how the team was going to look as the club headed to Texas to open up the Rangers' new ballpark, then to Cincinnati. But um, alas, the sports world and much of the world in general has hit the pause button as we deal with the coronavirus and sports have stopped. Uh, we're going to talk all about it over the next two hours. Obviously, for fans, I think disappointing, but um, really, I think some great perspective with a number of our guests today, including uh, some guys that want to be playing baseball as much, if not more, than anyone, including Chairman Bill DeWitt Jr., who will join us, John Mozeliak, Mike Schilt, amongst others. And, man, it's been an interesting week, hasn't it, buddy? A lot has changed since the last time we've uh, had a chance to do a show, for sure. And there's a lot more, a lot more changes in store. I, I think that uh, it, things won't be the same for sure. But I, I think overall, it'll give us a chance to step back away from this and, and maybe do some serious planning about other things in our lives as well. Um, yeah, I want to see baseball, and when we do see it, it's going to be a little different than what we've been accustomed to. Yeah, and we don't uh, again know the answer to questions like when will it start, what will it look like, what's going to happen next. The Cardinals and teams around Major League Baseball, teams around sports, still sorting out questions as simple as where do the players go? What do we do tomorrow? What does the next week look like? So, again, still a lot developing, but we will uh, really bring you, I think, some fantastic perspective and conversations here over the next couple of hours. And I think unique perspective from players, Klaibs, both veterans and young players, certainly disappointment, but Adam Wainwright, I think, was able to sum up kind of how the clubhouse feels and kind of how we all feel right now. Super weird. Um, tons of uncertainty. We don't really know where to go uh, we don't know, because we don't know how long this is going to last. So, like, all right, we're going to pack up and we're going to go where? Because I have seven people in my family now, five kids, it's a bunch of stuff. And you don't want to just pack up go somewhere that you're going to have to pack it back up after you unpack it and pack it back up and then go somewhere else and unpack it again and then pack it back up and then go again. I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of packing. I don't expect anybody to feel sorry for us because we have a great, you know, great situation. But um, I think the weirdest thing and the saddest thing for us is that we can't go out and perform for other people. And that's what we're kind of made to do, right? Like we're here because this is baseball time and our job is to be a baseball player. Our job at its core is to go out and and entertain people, and we're not able to go out and entertain. I was telling with Jenny last night, I'm in the bathroom, and I'm getting out of the shower, and I get dressed, and I'm like, I'm antsy, because I don't know what to do, you know? Like, I, I got tons of hobbies, but what I'm supposed to be doing right now, I'm not allowed to do, so it's kind of hard. I just keep thinking they're going to say, all right, 24 people are going to go. 25 people are going to go play in a stadium with no fans and we're going to play a game with no handshakes and we're going to you know tell everybody to stay away as much as possible but you know especially at a time like this people need entertainment you know it's I don't know it's just uh, I, I keep expecting that to happen I don't know if it can or not it's not optimal but it's not optimal for anybody because there's guys who are about to make the team probably that are really about to put their you know step their foot into the door uh, I feel worse for them than me don't feel bad for me I've, I've had a great career so if it ended tomorrow then you know com, you know sail off in the sunset there's the guys that I feel sorry for are the guys that are just getting their first opportunities yeah it's Adam Wainwright earlier this week in Klaibs what really resonates I think with me is what Wainwright said about 
the younger players because every year, oh, spring's eternal as a new season starts. And we've spent so much of the last couple of months, especially the last month and a half, talking about so many of the young players, some who have had a taste of the big leagues, others who haven't, who are going to be and are going to be at some point a big part of this Cardinals club and of this organization. And after seeing so many great performances and breaking them down and talking about pitching and talking about rotation combinations and how the lineup could look like and who's going to be in the outfield, got to hit a pause on all of that. Yeah, um, you, one of the things that comes into play, we, we use the word pause a lot. I think we have to start completely over uh, because of the time off. Uh, that it's going to be. Uh, let's let's face it. We're not going to see anybody playing baseball for at least two months. Okay, so that downtime, you can only play catch so long. You can only do certain things so long before you have to realize that okay, I have to do some things differently. Which is the unique aspect in baseball compared to other sports in terms of pitchers mm-hmm. needing to ramp up. Yeah, that's true. Because the other sports, you don't have a specific position that needs. To, to, as you mentioned, ramp up. Everybody else comes out and they do their job, and, and it's it's how you go about it. But this is different, and I think baseball, and I'm sure the Players Association, everybody who's involved in making decisions are going to have to explore that even greater in making sure that they ensure the, the, the wellness of these athletes, especially the pitchers. And Claves, especially coming off the last couple of years where we saw free agents, just individual isolated guys, not signed with teams until spring training was over or the middle of spring training, or in some cases like Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel last year until June. And we saw the effects that not having a full spring training had on those guys. Now no one's going to have a full spring training. Yeah, and you know what? I think the the data will show that guys who don't have a spring training or one that's really organized, it doesn't work out as well as maybe if they were in a more structured format. So that that's something that players better really raise their hand on and make sure uh, that they get this in order the right way. And and what about the guy who was on the fringe? Or what about that free agent that was still unsigned that was hoping to latch on late in the spring? I mean, there there's so many things that go into this. So instead of uh, restart, I just think they need to just scratch the whole thing and just start over from the beginning. Yeah, I think it's a fluid process, right? Because, again, there is no template. There is no example Mm -hmm. from the past as to how you do this. So we'll talk about it, and we'll bring you the perspectives of some of the people who are closest to it. John Rooney is going to join us when we come back. We'll also get the thoughts of Eno Saris on a national level. He writes for The Athletic. Bill DeWitt Jr., Cardinals chairman in this hour. And we'll chat with John Mozilak, Mike Schilt, and also Dr. Patrick Risch from Wash U in our second hour. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Just underway, Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you. Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Mike Anderson, here in our network studios. A big thanks to Ann Carroll as well. And we're back in a moment with John Rooney on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby, and we welcome John Rooney to the program. And, guys, it's our final Countdown to Opening Day show, but uh, instead of getting ready to break camp and head to Texas and then head to Cincinnati, everyone in unfamiliar territory as we're in flux and a lot of uncertainty in front of us. John, how are you, and what has the last week been like for you? Uh, it is um, it's going uh, as expected uh, around the country, a very strange feeling, and it's good to be with you guys and to, um, to talk a, a little bit of uh, baseball and maybe take a break from what's going on in, in our country if for just a few minutes. And uh, it has been very strange, and it's uh, not that way just for me. It is for everybody, and we're doing what we can to try to adhere to the guidelines and uh, I've washed my hands so much, I, I have to find some lotion because they're starting to crack up. Yeah, I don't even have ridges on my fingertips anymore. I think I washed them all the way, so I, I know the feeling so well. Hey, hey, for you, take us back, uh, if you will, the last week or so. As Chris mentioned, a lot of things have changed. When did it start to set in for you that this is something uh, that we've never experienced before and I'm not sure what's going to be next? Well, when I got back from the Valley Tournament and uh, was following the, the game on um, on Wednesday and then the final game on Thursday when baseball shut things down, uh, that's when it became apparent that, uh, no, we're not going to get started on time. 
and and then uh, a two-week delay seemed very very optimistic and then it seemed like uh, even a four-week delay uh, was optimistic and we're not going to have that now but it all snowballed and when I started uh, reading stories on MLB and uh, around the country that players felt like it was very strange to play the games after what the NBA was considering and eventually did in canceling games right along with the NHL and NASCAR and PGA and and uh, with the NCAA shutting down the tournament, uh, it's it's just what we have to deal with. We have to beat this, and I'm certain we will, and we will be playing baseball at some point, and that will be a good break for the country, just like it was when we came back with baseball after 9-11. But this is so serious. It's hitting so close to home with the deaths in Illinois and over in Columbia. Uh, it's, it's something that uh, has to be done, will be done, and we will get through this. Guys, it was a week ago Wednesday night when the news came out about a player on the Jazz testing positive. They uh, postponed that game in the NBA shortly thereafter, the NBA postponing the season. And I know there's a lot of money and jobs and, and moving parts at stake for something we've never seen, but... John, how much credit do you give uh, the professional leagues for getting together and making choices that were probably very, very hard in the efficiency and, and the manner that they did to stop things? Because every day that we had games going on and people inside stadiums and travel, uh, who knows where we'd be right now? Well, my, I, let's talk about baseball from that, that standpoint because that's something we're quite familiar with. And and uh, I've talked with Chris Kerber about the NHL and uh, certainly the NBA, and I uh, talked with people concerning the NCAA tournament because St. Louis was going to host first and second round games here in the NCAA tournament. But yes, they did the right thing, and everybody has been in concert with what's going on and, and trying to curb this and trying to flatten the curve and, and with what baseball has done and constantly meeting conference calls and each team assessing what needs to be done. John Mosellock and his staff and Mr. DeWitt and uh, the other owners and what they've done to try to help the stadium workers and what they're trying to do to help the minor league players. It's not anybody's fault that we aren't playing baseball and, and most of our economy is shut down right now. And the way everybody is talking through this and staying on the front line of this and trying to do what they can to do their part to try to get to a point where we can think about returning to life as it was before three, four, five weeks ago, and who knows how long this virus has been in the country because there was so much false information coming from other parts of the world. But I am applauding all of these sports organizations for all of the countless hours they've had in conference calls and what they've been able to do to uh, try to get their head around this and, and do something to help uh, the fellow man. John, let's, let's switch gears for a second and talk a little baseball. Uh, we were winding things down in spring training. Give me your thoughts on what you saw and what you liked uh, about how spring training unfolded this year. Well, Klaibs, I really liked the pitching depth. Uh, what I saw from Daniel Ponce de Leon, at one time I thought, man, I'm not sure Ponce is going to be in a spot for a starting role and, and he could be helpful out of the bullpen. Uh, but, boy, he turned some heads down there, and I think he was in line for one of those starting spots. Uh, Kim was starting to come back after a groin problem, and I think he was in line for a, a starting position as well. And and what Carlos Martinez had done to focus in and prepare himself to come back as a starting pitcher, I think he was making some great progress. Now, he had a tough start the last time out, and I think it's kind of that, that dead arm stage where you start building it back up again. Plus, he's trying to work on some other things. But I really like the pitching depth, and I loved what I saw from Dylan Carlson and what I saw from uh, Gorman and and uh, Edmundo Sosa really turned some heads, and you were the first to bring him up to me, Claves. and I started paying attention, and I'm glad I did. I really enjoyed watching him play. You know, one of the other things that, that will be interesting, obviously we're going to have to push the reset button, but what happens now with Miles Michaelis, who should be recovered from his yeah. situation, uh, you know, the competition is even going to be greater the next time they convene. Well, and I think that the teams that have pitching depth, especially right off the bat, who knows if you'll be able to carry more pitchers, how long the next yeah. phase of camp will be. Teams with depth will have, I think, a distinct advantage. 
And guys, I don't care how long or how short the season might be. You're going to need those pitchers, pure and simple. You're going to need those arms to get through a season, and there will be injuries. There will be ineffectiveness. Uh, It it always happens. But if you have pitching depth, you're absolutely right. Uh, And Rick Hummel had an interesting article on short seasons have not been kind to the Cardinals. But with the pitching depth that we saw down there, just might uh, be a little different story this time for St. Louis. And, and we don't know how long the season is going to be. And hopefully it will be a lot more games than, uh, than what could be. But uh, I think pitching depth will certainly come to the front for the Cardinals. John Rooney, we will talk soon and hopefully have baseball to talk about soon and getting baseball going to talk about very, very soon. But I know uh, it was great to be down in Florida. I think still, despite this, a lot to be excited about for Cardinals fans, and we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us on the show. All right, uh, Chris, and and I'll tell you what, Claves, I enjoyed visiting with you yesterday, and that's the one thing, guys, we can still stay in touch and yeah. and uh, just just do the right thing and uh, keep keep your fellow man in mind. Right. Wash those hands. <laughs> I agree, John. I, I would suggest that to everybody. Stay in touch. Stay active. Stay vigilant. And there, there's some people who won't be uh, – I don't want people to feel isolated. I mean, let's just all stay in touch. we got plenty of things to talk about and, and plan for. So, uh, yeah, we'll be in touch to the point where we'll be tired of talking to each other by the time we start the season again. <laughs> We're running out of things oh, to talk about. I don't think about. that can happen, guys. But that's good advice, and um, and stay safe. Always great to talk to John Rooney. And when we come back, we'll get a national perspective. You know, Saris of The Athletic will join us. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you just getting started. Back in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's a countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to Cardinals countdown to opening day. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne on the Cardinals radio network. And it's great to have Eno Saris join us from The Athletic. Uh, man, no time like right now to go and subscribe to The Athletic, all of the great Major League Baseball coverage, the great writers who continue to put out fantastic content despite the pause that we have hit you know one of those guys you can also follow him on twitter at Eno saris s-a-r-r-i-s you know how are you man i tell you uh living ain't easy right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got the kids kids home from school there's no sports i gotta come up with ideas you know <laughs> we're stuck in this house but um you know it, it, there's some good it's, it's good to you know connect with the kids on a you know on more than i usually do <laughs> and uh uh, it's good to stretch your mind in a little bit, I think, and think about uh, things you don't normally think about. So that's that's what we're going to have to do in this time, I guess. You know, you know, you you make a point that I think a lot of people in our business of sport are, are coping with this this free time that we have with our families. Considering the fact that normally we're away so much during the, the given seasons, and you get to know them a little bit, and you almost want to ask yourself the question: Who thought this was a good idea? So I'll be interested to hear some of your thoughts on how you are going to be creative because they're going to look to you. You're the new guy. Mom and the kids know each other. They don't know you as well. So you're going to be the odd man out here. I'm lucky to not have to travel as much as a lot of people in the business. But, um, yeah, one thing I'm doing is dedicating a little bit of time to kind of school, as I call it. And we just have a little space upstairs that I've converted into a kind of a school room and, uh, it's not necessarily teaching to a test or anything, but it's, uh, you know, today we went to a museum virtually. Uh, we checked out some art virtually together. So, you know, just doing some stuff like that to, uh, to keep, keep the learning process going. You know, Saris is with us from The Athletic. Subscribe to The Athletic. And, you know, uh, speaking of that, you guys have a pretty incredible piece that I was uh, reading this morning that you put together with Jason Stark, also see Trent Rosecrans, who we know from uh, covering the Reds here in the National League Central, and essentially building um, your own algorithm based on Codebreaker, which the Astros used as, I guess, the building blocks of what became the sign-stealing scandal. Give folks an idea of what you did, and again, just one of the cool pieces that you guys have uh, have put out over the last couple of days on The Athletic. Yeah, well, the news came through the Wall Street Journal. I think Derek Diamond broke the news that, you know, hey, the Astros front office had a code-breaking algorithm 
but one of the things that was interesting in that story was that one of the details was that it was done by an intern and it was done on Excel. And so uh, our co-founder, Adam Hansman, you know, turned to one of his data scientists and said, do you think, do you, think you could do that? Um, and so the data scientist went to work and created just basically a simple Excel sheet that you can download uh, off of the story. Uh, and all you have to do is input signs from an actual game or a fake game, whatever you want to do. I mean, there's not many actual games, but you can do a historical game. Uh, you input the signs, and it starts breaking out predictions. Uh, you know, at worst-case scenario, you have to wait about 15. Uh, you know, we, we used some World Series signs that Max Scherzer and, and Kurt Suzuki had put together, um, and those are really complicated signs. It took about 15 to 20 pitches before it broke those. Uh, wow. But uh, usually in-game, and it breaks them. And so we showed them to Max. We showed it to Kurt Suzuki. We showed it to Trevor Bauer. Uh, showed it to a couple other pitchers and, and pitching coaches, and we just got their ideas about how much they cared about this sort of thing, how ubiquitous it was, how many people were doing this, how advanced was ours versus what they think is out in the game. And most of them thought, this is in the game, this is happening now, and this is what I do uh, to try and, and break this. this is a, these are the strategies I have to try and break, uh, because I know this is out there. I know people are doing this. You know, you know, when the game starts again, that that's going to be – we're going to have a lot of questions, obviously, to be answered. But now that we've broken the code, more or less, or the process, I, I'm of the belief that some pitchers and catchers still won't trust what's out there and will still go through a process where it'll be harder to track them as far as what they're trying to do. Do you feel like everybody's going to feel like this, we've got an even playing field again? No, I, I think um, I don't think that you catch one person doing something like this, one team doing something like this, and, and wash your hands and say, oh, we did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no more cheating in baseball. Um, so I think just the fact that there's an open, uh, there's an open investigation into the Boston Red Sox, um, you know, there's been players that have come forward and said, you know, a few other teams. And, uh, and just the fact that it was kind of, easy for us to do i mean not 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 the hard, it was like it was kind of hard we had, it took us a couple of weeks to just get everything together and make the video and stuff but like it was it's kind of easy for us to do that means that you know teams are going to be able to do it with an intern they're going to be able to do it without much investment so i think uh i think the 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 reality of the situation in the game is that players think this is going on all the time and they're in they're investing in better sign sequences better ideas on that front and they're into the idea of using technology to try and get out of this situation and, and maybe having some way for the pitcher and catcher to communicate uh, like the uh, quarterback and the head coach do in football. You know, uh, I'm wondering over the next however long it is until we have baseball with the conversations that you have with people in the industry, obviously you just said technology, information and time, other valuable commodities. What do you think front offices will be trying to do? And what do you think the process will look like for teams to try to, in some ways, make themselves better uh, to whatever extent they're able to over this dead period? Yeah, I actually have a piece. uh, It looks like it'll come out tomorrow. I think one of the things where teams will separate themselves is preserving their starting pitcher's arms. Yeah. Because their starting pitchers were built up to – Day, like they were going to build up to day one of the of you know the opening day, and they were it's a it's a four month process. You stop pitching for a little bit in October, and then you start again in November and December, and you have all those months to build the opening day. And the rug was pulled out from under them. And some teams, I know this for a fact, some teams just sent their pitchers home and said, "We hope we see you again." <laughs> and uh, other teams are being way more proactive about here's a throwing program, here's. Uh, here's like a, a, a login for a program where you have to log in what you did today, and it's not just throwing. We need to know everything you're doing. Um, so there's a big variance in how teams are treating this, and most of the people I talk to that work with pitchers think there's going to be a big spike in injuries when we come back because not only, not only are they you know not preparing well, when they come back, what if there's 80 games? What if managers say, hey, it's only 80 games. i got to win every game. So I'm going to push this pitcher. We're going to have a four-man rotation. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And we're going to bullpen, you know, we're going to do all this stuff, back-to-backs and back-to-back-to-backs. Uh, so there could be a big spike in injuries this year, I think. 
Subscribe to The Athletic and, you know, uh, just give folks an idea. Again, uh, you've mentioned some of the pieces that you're working on, but even though the sports are not being played on the field or the court or the rink, uh, subscribe to The Athletic. Folks uh, can get a pretty incredible amount of content uh, for as long as we're waiting and also once the sports get going again. Yeah, well, one of my side beats is beer, so um, I'm putting together an idea for a beer bracket. Uh, we'll do some voting and some arguing in the comments and uh, uh, chew up some time. You know, that's what we got to do. We're, we're stuck at home. We got to chew up some time. So uh, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do my best to to uh, to entertain and to inform and uh, and keep abreast of what's going on. And uh, you know, the one nice thing is the athletic is kind of built uh, in some ways. I know people say, "Oh, there's no sports. The athletic is all sports. What are you gonna do?" We're like we've always been weird. <laughs> like we've always been. You don't like, rely on the on the do... box score. No, yeah, we always have been willing to. There's a, a like a meme on Twitter about like you know oh my piece on the athletic. I went and found the guy who found the guy who was the coach of the guy who <laughs> gave the guy his first baseball. You know, <laughs> um, you know. So like we we are the deep divers. So in some ways we're just gonna have to dive a little deeper, but. Uh, there's going to be a lot of fun stuff that comes out. I've seen, we've got a channel in our Slack called Let's Get Weird. So I've seen what's coming and uh, some of it is beautiful. (laughs) You know, keep it up, man. Thanks for joining us again. Subscribe to The Athletic and thank you for keeping us entertained. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's Eno Saris. We'll take a break. Come back. Bill DeWitt Jr. Next, it's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ammer and Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne, the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Welcome back into Cardinals. Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby. And for more perspective and perspective from the Cardinals chairman, we hand it back over to Mike Claiborne. We have a chance now to visit with the chairman of the board for the St. Louis Cardinals. He is Bill DeWitt Jr. And Mr. DeWitt, it's uh, an interesting time to talk baseball, although we haven't had a chance to talk very much about baseball since the coronavirus has struck. No, that's for sure. And, um, you know, we're all get back to talking baseball and not uh, not potential health issues for you in 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 this situation um if you go back a couple of days a few days ago uh, a player tests positive in the nba and all of a sudden everything goes haywire they shut the season down what went through your mind when you heard about that when it first came about where they were going to shut down their season well it um you know it's sort of uh where we are in the country where it's it's the virus is expanding and you know it's going to hit various sectors of uh, businesses and and certainly sports teams are affected so we knew that uh, there would be a delay to the season until this sort of settled down and uh, we're hoping it's not too long but um, you know it's certainly going to be longer than we originally had hoped for you, um, you go back and you look at certain things in your career. 9-11 obviously was one of the things that put the world on pause. Uh, have you had a chance to take anything away from that experience to see how you might be able to apply things once normalcy sets in, if we ever have normalcy again? <laughs> yeah, um, that was certainly a, a huge event in, in the country's history and one that upset uh, sort of the uh, – the whole economy really throughout the world so um, you know that was a, a rough thing to go through and of course we got through it and um, you know baseball had a big part in that um, this is um, something that you know we don't really know where it's going to end but I think there's some good signs out there where uh, evidently in China they're pretty much back to normal uh, you know we haven't had we haven't gone through their, um, you know, extensive length of history with the virus. So, um, you know, it's moving fast. And I know the political uh, group is get together and restaurants closing and, uh, you know, the sports teams have voluntarily shut down for now. Uh, schools are out. Uh, so that I haven't really witnessed before in my lifetime. And, you know, it's just uh, 
you know, you to sort of take it day by day and see where we are. You know, one of the other things when you look back at this and you say to yourself, um, you, you've been on more conference calls probably over the last few days and you probably have in an entire season. And it seems like with this changing so much almost on an hourly basis, how much conversation has gone to it and thought where people are having a chance to listen to each other because policy is being set right in front of us. Yeah, it certainly is. And as you can imagine, uh, with Major League Baseball and professional baseball overall, um, it, there's a bit of a moving target. I mean, we sent our minor league players home just to not have them congregate in, in a big number because that's the kind of thing that can see the virus spread. Um, and, you know, we've we've agreed and, and thought it would be a good thing to continue paying them. Uh, basically, during spring training, they just get meal money, but, you know, we're continuing that even though they're not here in spring training. So, I, you know, a lot of those players really don't um, have much in the way of resources. Uh, some of the younger guys are up-and-comers uh, hoping to make it ultimately the big leagues at some point. So, um, you know, we, we're trying to soften the blow to them and, you know, keep their whatever that compensation is, the, the meal money they get, you know, every day, at least that part of it. Uh, even though they're home, um, and uh, you know we're we're doing some other things with uh, our day of game staff, which you know we have a lot of part-time workers when the season starts, whether it's you know part-time uh, ushers or uh, people that uh, t- ticket takers. Uh, uh, even uh, those who work on a part-time basis on the on the grounds between games and stuff. So, you know, we've committed a million dollars to help soften the blow to that group as well. And hopefully, you know, we'll get back sooner than uh, we maybe thought we could. And, and uh, you know, it'll all work out. But we're in uncharted territories here, so it remains to be seen. You are absolutely right about that. Yes, each team contributed a million dollars, and uh, that money will go to the part-time workers, and hopefully it'll be a short-term situation. Uh, let's talk a little baseball for a second, because one of the things uh, I was intrigued by was the spring training camp, maybe one of the most competitive camps I've seen with regard to the Cardinals and just players competing for spots, whether it was in the bullpen or whether it was in the outfield. Give me your thoughts on what you had a chance to see so far and what intrigued you most as far as the positions were concerned. Well, we, um, you know, I never look at wins and losses too much, but, you know, when you win, it's always nice. Uh, we started off, our record wasn't real great in the beginning, but uh, when we continued to play, we, we put up some nice wins. And I think um, even though they don't mean anything, uh, the way they uh, developed, uh, I think, meant some things. Our, our pitching was... Uh, very good, uh, as it turns out, in the spring, uh, both starting pitching and bullpen. Um, and I think the the outfield uh, competition was uh, was very interesting. We had some good performance by the young guys there. And our infield is, is uh, pretty well set. So, um, you know, and I know uh, Colton Wong got a shot at leading off and looked good there. Uh, so it was very encouraging. I know the the club was very optimistic. Our, our staff, uh, Mike Schilt and his group, uh, were very optimistic about the way it was developing. So, you know, it's disappointing. We were getting on a little a little roll to the start of the season, which you want to do, and we seemed to be peaking at, at a good time. And um, you know, now we have a bunch of time off. And but we'll get back at it once uh, once we know when we're going to start and get everybody back down to Florida for a couple of weeks to get ready for the season. So you feel like we'll, we'll end up back in Florida before we start the season where guys can get it, get it back into a routine. You know, in 95, we kind of worked out here a little bit, had a, a game, an exhibition game, and then moved on to the season. This may take a little longer, so you think we'll reconvene there for a bit? I would think so. Uh, we've just got more facilities down here, all the uh, fields we have, and uh, – and, you know, at that point, the minor league players are, are going to need to uh, train as well for the season because their season will have uh, 
the beginning of their season will have come and gone. So, um, I, you know, it remains to be seen when it is. Uh, but uh, my guess is that it'll be down here, uh, you know, for a little bit and then maybe uh, some time in St. Louis as well, depending on the weather. So at this point, you all still stay in touch, I'm sure, on a regular basis. Uh, how often do you stay in touch with the commissioner's office with regard to what might be next, or do we just have to step away from this and take our lead from the government? Uh, we have, as you can imagine, uh, <laughs> a lot of calls, a lot of conference calls with the commissioner. And, uh, you know, so we stay in touch with the thinking and and he's he's in touch with uh, the commissioner that is in touch with a lot of the uh, medical experts in the, in the country on sort of when this might peak and and calm back down uh, to the point where you know we could start retraining and um, her training and extending our training camp and uh, uh, we're obviously not at that point yet but uh, you know, it's uh, something that's ongoing on a daily basis just to see where we are. Well, Bill, certainly this is uh, one of those times where we're all just kind of waiting on the next step. And uh, we'll just keep our fingers crossed and hopefully we'll have some people that can stay healthy and uh, get back on the field uh, in the right the right period of time. That's the key. Um, we certainly want all of our players and staff and um, training staff all to be healthy when they get back down here. And I know they're making an effort to follow the guidelines of the federal government so um you know that's uh that's what we're shooting to do and hopefully it won't be too long all right well as always we thank you for your time sir and uh hopefully we'll be in touch in the next time we talk which will be down the road we'll be talking about some baseball and the lineup and who's going to pitch and who's going to do all the fun things we enjoy talking about during the season that'd be a lot more fun i agree with that all right thank uh, you Mike. thank you sir Take care. Let's take a break. We'll come back and wrap up hour one of the program. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amarant, right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amarant. I'm Chris Raby on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. And as we continue on our final show of the spring, let's hand it back over to Mike Claiborne. Claibs? We have a chance now to visit with Dr. Patrick Risch. He's a director of sports business at Washington University, and he's been around for a number of years, written a number of books. You see him on TV all the time as well. But more importantly, when it comes to the business of sport, Patrick Risch, uh, there's nobody better. And Dr. Risch, I bet you're a busy man right now because thanks to the coronavirus, uh, it has been a game changer, unlike anything we've seen when it's when it comes to sports or basically real life. I felt like the Adam Schefter of the coronavirus. ESPN had me on several programs last week. I had a chance uh, to be on with Mina Kimes and Will Kane and Outside the Line. So, yeah, just been really busy talking about this issue. And, Mike, it's unprecedented what's going on. Uh, certainly a lot of different areas of the industry it's it's impacted professional sports amateur sports and the youth sports market all have been impacted by this well let's start with the professional sports um you know i i think we're going to talk when it's all said and done we're going to talk about losing not billions of dollars not maybe hundreds of billions of dollars if maybe not trillions because of the trickle-down effect but when you look at the pro side, I mean, we're talking about the games, the athletes, um, these facilities that take place, and certainly the surrounding areas. Uh, we'll talk about maybe like a ballpark village where when you think about what its impact has on the team and vice versa, a lot of money being lost along the way. That's for sure, Mike. I mean, as you mentioned, NBA, baseball, Major League Soccer, the National Hockey League, they're all going to lose ticket revenue and related venue revenues, but there's that spin-off effect and the supply chain just extends further than we ever realized until we see something like this that just puts everything to a halt. So you think about all the service workers that work at these arenas and stadiums and you know, they're gig workers, meaning that when there's not a gig, when there's not an event, they don't get paid. So that's why you see a lot of these teams and players stepping up, which is great to try to, you know, stem the tide a little bit, but still, uh, you know, especially when you have a cancellation of a March Madness like we had here in St. Louis, first and second round, 
you know, that's that's income. That's a bonus, essentially, for a lot of these service workers. So you, you feel very badly for them that they're not going to see their bonus. I want to talk about the Cardinals. They made a couple of announcements with respect to being part of Major League Baseball, donating $30 million to workers. And the Cardinals also have decided to, to carry the minor leaguers for a while as well because considering the fact that uh, minor leaguers haven't been paid since August of last season, uh, they've gone without a paycheck for a long, long time. And the Cardinals are trying to help bridge that gap somewhat until maybe this thing is over with. It's great to see them do that. And, and, and hopefully you hope most of the Major League Baseball teams will, will do that. It's just a question of this will be one of the most expensive years for not just Major League Baseball teams, but any of these leagues that are currently suspended operationally. You talk about you know the, the NFL, very lucky in the sense just by circumstance of the calendar, they are avoiding a lot of the hit. But yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see Major League Baseball teams stepping up to try to help out their uh, various, whether it's staff, whether it's minor league players, it's good to see. What about the TV deals? I mean, the NBA is in the midst of a $24 billion deal. Major League Baseball has a multi-billion dollar deal, as does the NFL, and although they're not involved. And the NHL has a very healthy TV package also. How does that work for them? Because they don't make any money if they're not carrying games. So the loss to those entities is certainly going to be a big hit as well. So what are we looking at from their standpoint, money-wise? Well, there's a couple of workarounds, as I see, Mike. I mean, there's make goods always in these kinds of deals, whether it's media or whether it's advertising. So I suspect that any advertisers that have paid for time, they'll receive make goods. And as far as the media contracts themselves, you know, my sense, of course, the NBA, what is it, $2.6 billion annually that they, uh, that they receive from the various networks. My sense is that you could just extend that deal a year to make up for essentially a lost year, although – that gets tricky too because it's not really an entire lost year because we have played most of the regular season, but certainly the ratings spike in the playoffs. So there will have to be some discussions and negotiations, I'm sure, which may already be ongoing, although perhaps those are a little bit premature because we just don't know the extent of what's going to be missed just yet. Dr. Patrick Risch of Washington University is our guest. You know, this, this ordeal is going to end someday. And when you look at how things we're, we're going to have to probably start over in a lot of regards, you know, the, the stock market calls it a market correction. Uh, things are going to change. But as you see it, what do you think is going what do you envision changing in the business of sport once we get past this ordeal? Well, certainly there's going to be a lot of happy people uh, at, at the games. And, and I was asked uh, earlier this week, you know, there's been a trend in declines in attendance. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think the biggest reason is there's just so many other things to, and the at-home experience is so good with HD television. I think there'll be a short-run spike in attendance, and I don't know if it'll be enough to reverse the trend, uh, at least for one year. I don't know if it's going to be sustained because, again, millennials and Gen Zs, uh, like all of us, are going to be impacted by what we're experiencing right now. But at the end of the day, I still sense that because millennials and Gen Zs like to stream and like to watch mobily and like to, you know, be up and mobile and not sit in a seat for two and a half, three hours, three and a half hours watching a sporting event. Unfortunately, those attendance numbers over the longer term are going to continue their downward trajectory. But in the short term, when we bounce back from, uh, you know, the coronavirus, we are going to see people just euphorically want to get out of the house and be with, they're friends because, after all, Mike, that's a big part of sports. It's the most emotional industry you can think of. We enjoy being with each other. We, we enjoy the release. We enjoy identifying with our and connecting with people. So that's uh, going to certainly lead to a surge in attendances once, once things get back underway. You know, um, with this situation, when it's over, the baseball teams are going to have to reconvene and have another spring training. So for the Arizonas and the Floridas of the world who really rely on spring training revenue, maybe they get a second chance at this, even though it may be two weeks, maybe. Uh, will that help the economy at all? Or will people be so set in their ways they'll move on from that because they've already scheduled that downtime or that vacation time already and were disappointed by the, the, the spring training being cut short? That's a great question that you raised, Mike, because if spring training doesn't start until, let's say, early June, are we going to Florida and Arizona for spring training? <laughs> I don't think that's where anybody wants to be that time of year. It's going to be scalding hot. 
So then it, the question is, are you going to play spring training in Major League ballparks, which I guess you could, and it would be a way to try to recoup some uh, revenues. And, and quite frankly, people are, if, if we're outside, able to attend uh, sporting events at that point, people probably would, would turn out in droves just to be able to be together and, and watch their team. But, uh, boy, that's just another angle of it. I sure don't see them going down to, to Florida and Arizona in June to play that tra- uh, spring training games. Yeah, you know, I, I think the only solution in that on that front would be uh, you'd have a team locally or regionally like a Kansas City or Chicago, and maybe you play those teams for a three-game series here, and then you go up there and play them for three, so you get six games in, and then you're ready to go. Uh, because I think that that's a lot easier than having uh, teams come in from elsewhere compared to being in Florida or Arizona where everybody's closer to you. All right, thanks, guys. We'll take a break and come back. Still going to hear from Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mozilak, also Mike Schilt on this week's edition of Cardinals. Countdown to opening day presented by Aaron on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's a countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back into Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Amron alongside Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby. And for more insight on the developing story and Cardinals camp, we hand it back over to Klaibs. We have a chance now to visit with the president of the baseball operations with the St. Louis Cardinals. He's John Moselak, maybe one of the busiest people I know in St. Louis. Uh, there's so many things going on. And you said to me last week, this thing is changing like every hour or so to say, and I would imagine that pace hasn't changed very much. It, it really has. And, and actually, I think like the hardest working people right now are, are the people in the medical field, people that are, are trying to keep st- shelves stocked. And it's, it's really been something over the last seven, eight days, how quickly it's, it's moved and, and how just everybody's day-to-day life has changed. And, you know, I work in a little bubble with baseball and, and yes, we are busy. And yes, we were trying to get, help players get back to their home. Yes, we're trying to make sure they're, they're healthy, they're safe, and there's protocols put in place that are being followed. But, I mean, this, is, this isn't a global event. This is a, an event that is affecting us domestically. And, and obviously here back in St. Louis, it's, it's changed how we do our day-to-day lives. So I think we're learning, we're listening, and we're trying to, to understand what's the best way to, to move forward. But from a baseball standpoint, happy to report that we were able to to basically close up our Jupiter complex, uh, still keeping it slightly open, if you will, to a handful of players that live in the Jupiter area, just so they have a a place to go. But, you know, we're obviously going to put the safety of our players and our staff first. So if we have to shut it down, we'll shut it down. I want to go back and talk about something that was announced yesterday where the Cardinals and Major League Baseball are going to look after and try and do something for the minor leaguers. Talk a little bit more about that and how that whole thing came about. Yeah, so a couple things. One is is obviously minor league players, they haven't received a paycheck since last uh, August or 1st of September. And then you, you tackle that with they show up to camp and then right away we have to close camp. And so... You know, Bill DeWitt was was gracious enough to at least extend them their per diem until further notice, and then we can determine what that next step is when we get into thinking about should there be some compensation for them as well. But I assure you, we're we're thinking about it, and we want to do the right thing, and and hopefully, um, just this gesture alone will help uh, ease some of their stress and and concerns. That turnaround last week was was an incredible undertaking. Talk a little bit about your logistics team and, and being able to turn that thing around as quickly as they did and as effectively as they did. Uh, something that shouldn't go unnoticed because that, that was truly something uh, nobody saw coming, but they picked it up and they carried it to the goal line. It, it was really amazing watching Gary's group, Tony Fiara, who works for Gary on, on the player development side, just being able to move so many players. I mean, ultimately, they, they turned our conference room into a, uh, a travel agency and really were able to, to get people moving in the right direction so they were safe. And so I was just, it was really impressive. And same can be said on the scouting side, really, because, 
even even before this became uh, uh, something where people were hitting that panic button, we actually took our guys off the road, and uh, you know, I credit Flo and his group for for being prudent on that. So, you know, you're trying to stay ahead of this curve as best you can, and you know, you spend a lot of time being reactionary, I'm sure, but for the most part, really impressed with the the work our group did. Contingency plans, I'm sure, are still un- being made as we go. Um, how many times have you thrown things on the wall so far, and how much have you talked to your counterparts with other teams just to kind of get a basic idea of when this thing finally get, goes away that we'll get back to some sort of reasonable normalcy? How much has that taken place? You know, very little at this point. I think everybody's just trying to to catch up to to where maybe some other teams are. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm pleased to say the Cardinals were. We're, we're more first to market on, on this as far as like being able to move. But, you know, I think in, in terms of, of what baseball might look like when we return, haven't given that a whole lot of thought. And I think, you know, once this week comes and goes, I'll probably start to focus a little bit more on that next week if I can. And, uh, you know, I, I know like our, our department heads have to be thinking about, about that as well and, and being challenged with what that might look like. But, haven't spent a whole lot of energy on that um, uh, this week. At this point, you're still in contact with Major League Baseball, and as we've talked, this thing is continuing to change. Uh, what are some of the things you're starting to see develop that you feel are going to be important once this thing is really decided on where we're going direction-wise? Well, I, I think the big thing is, is, first off, the communication tree has been set. So we are in communication on a daily basis with, with MLB, um, we're fortunate enough to to be able to have good access to them so we can understand what's happening in this ever-changing landscape. But I think as, as far as, as we start to think about tomorrow and what's next, it's, it's one of those situations where I, I, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. And like the one thing I, I said when we had our, our staff call this morning was I really wanted to, to just emphasize the word patience because there's a lot of things we just don't know and when people ask you questions and and want answers to things sometimes the easiest thing to do is just say I don't know and so as we go through that that's something that we have to practice and that's hopefully something we can do you know you you it sounds like communication is the key here just telling people what you know and just keeping your staff and your team informed is something that, that probably gives them comfort but also gives a, a sense of calm throughout the organization where nobody's trying to hide anything. Nobody's trying to mislead anyone. Uh, you're giving it to them as you know it. Well, we're trying to. Um, you, you know, I think all of us, whether we work in baseball or, 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 or in some other job, but we all would like to know what tomorrow's going to look like, but we don't. And, and so that that's the trick. And so what our responsibility here with the Cardinals is trying to keep not only our employees informed, but our fans informed as best we can. But we understand there's bigger issues at hand too. So if if baseball and and us talking about it can be a distraction for someone, I think that's great. But, um, you know, right now we're not close to playing baseball games. And so until we get there, we can, Hopefully we'll have other things we can talk about in future weeks, but, you know, ultimately it's uh, the game's at a standstill. Cardinal President of Baseball Operations, John Mozeliak, is visiting with us. Um, before players adjourn, did the uh, manager, coaches, and certainly training staff visit with players trying to make sure that everybody's got a program they can kind of maintain, or were they at the point where they were just going what they know to get ready for opening day? You know it's tough because we were at a pre we were we were pretty close to opening mm-hmm. obviously um, and I, I talked to our starting pitchers and they felt like they were one start away from their tune up to be ready to go. So how you how, what do you do now when you still don't know where the finish line is? And that that's really tricky. So I know Mike Schill, Mike Maddox, and the rest of our coaching staff is trying to prepare different scenarios, but clearly you can't have anybody over ramping up at this point. So it's a little bit of a decel. And then ultimately we will, once we have a better idea of what that looks like, how to think about ramping up. But I think in the short term, we know we're not playing baseball in a month. We've been told that now. 
So now we can make practical decisions on how to think about training and preparation. And of course, we'll communicate that not only to our major leaguers, but also throughout our minor league system as well. Now, with regard to the staff, uh, what's their status? Will they stay in Jupiter? Will they be released where you guys can conference call? How's that going to work with them? You know, so we basically closed down Jupiter. You know, we're required to have a medical person, some medical personnel on staff there, and we've opened the doors. So our pl- players that are remaining, if they want to go to the gym, they can. But it's 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 not like a coaching environment. It's not like going out to use the backfields. It is is simply just access for them. So maybe the closest thing to compare it to, if you're ever down there in January, mm-hmm. where players just randomly kind of come and go. But we've tried to set hours because we are a skeleton staff down there, and we don't have the the personnel to to remain. So. Almost everybody has gone home at this point, with with the exception of a few players. And then we do have some personnel that live in Jupiter area that can help out. This this situation is starting to crop up a little bit more. The NHL is paying their players. The NBA is paying their players. Their season was already underway. What about Major League Baseball? Because your season hasn't started, and, and technically it, it hasn't started. So when we get to that, that day where the schedule is supposed to take place, How's this whole thing going to work, or is that still something that's being discussed? I think that's some. Well, I know that's something that's being discussed or discussed or negotiated between the MLB and the Players Association. So, as as we're talking now, my understanding is no agreement's been in place or agreed upon. But fingers crossed that they can resolve this. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because with uh, the CBA coming up after next season and everything else that goes into play, there's so many balls in the air right now. Um, I, I wonder how far this is going to go into next year because you've got arbitration and you've got your days of service. All that stuff goes into this. They're going to be. You think you're busy? I think they may have a few uh, candles to burn late at night also. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of a lot of those conversations, and I can tell you that uh, that uh, the work that they're being forced to think about or, or or grind through is it's it's impressive. And every little scenario you can think of, you should multiply it by ten because that's how complicated it is. And you know, hopefully, this can have some resolution sooner rather than later. And once that happens, then I think there'll be some peace of mind for everybody involved in our game. Your your phone is always at the ready, but at some point, do you see you and your staff stepping back from this for a little bit once you've got some things in place? Yeah, I would imagine it's going to get a little quieter once there's resolution to to that agreement. I think once that's done, then it's there's not a whole lot more any of us can do. Um, you know, I think this these past few days, we've really looked at operating expenses and all those things that, that come to mind. But I think there will be a time where we wake up and might not have a whole lot to do. So um, I'm not exactly sure I'm looking forward to that day because that's unusual for me, but um, I'll worry about that later. All right. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to you about what I saw in spring training. And, and that was an interesting team that was coming together. The pitching was terrific. Uh, some guys really decided some positions in the field, and it looks like this is going to be a very interesting and competitive ball club. What, what did you see from where you sat? You know, I thought we were having a really good camp. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's disappointing that we're not still playing baseball, but of course, um, there's bigger things, that, bigger issues at hand. But no, I felt overall our camp was 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 going really well. I felt um, the players that we needed to to play well were doing that. I think. You, you know, you hit it on the head when you talk about pitching. It was we had a lot of outstanding um, performances, but more importantly, it led to giving you a lot of, of optimism going into the year. So, you know, we're going to have to hit that reset button. We can certainly reflect back on what we saw, but you know, ultimately decisions will be made when we we regroup. And and you know, my hope and fingers are crossed that we do. And because I do think this team was was built to win and uh, was certainly excited to see it get going. 
All right. Well, John Mozalak, uh, we appreciate the time. This has been one of the more challenging times, of certainly for all of us, and uh, you being so transparent about this. Uh, I know I can speak for a lot of people. We appreciate it, and we'll be in touch for sure, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking baseball sooner than you think. Well, Mike, I'm, I'm glad you're back home. I'm glad you're safe, and uh, thank you, and uh, hopefully we talk soon. Thank you, guys. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll hear from the manager, Mike Schilt. That's next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amarant on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network now back to the countdown to opening day show with mike claiborne and chris raby on kmox welcome back to cardinals countdown to opening day presented by amarant chris raby and mike claiborne with you as we continue to try and put the last week and the upcoming weeks into perspective we hand it over to tom ackerman with the National League Manager of the Year. Welcome back to Jupiter, Florida, the spring training home of the St. Louis Cardinals. And joining us is the manager of the Cardinals, Mike Schild, on what has been a very trying week for many people in our country and around the world. And certainly it has hit the world of sports as the Cardinals spring training camp is closed, opening day delayed. And Mike, I know there's a lot going through our minds. What has it been like for you? Well, you know, Tom, um, as a starting point, you mentioned, you know, this is a bigger than the than the game of baseball. It's very much a part of our societal fabric right now. Our world is it is it an uncharted territory, um, and so you know the the prayers are with people and and the doctors and and just everybody to you know for safety and and hopefully good health um, moving forward, and and so we can get back to playing our loved game of baseball with the St. Louis Cardinals. Do you feel like the game? at some point could provide a, a, a help to people we are we're all trying every day we real, really are day by day at this point and trying to be as present as possible mm-hmm. and a, a nice little distraction like a movie or a book or a baseball game will be welcome very welcome baseball's you know played a vital role in american history um and i'm no, I'm no historian um you know first of all we love it in general when when there's no um you know, external things going on that are out of the ordinary. But when we've had crises in the past, 9-11 comes to mind most recently. You know, baseball is that just pulls at people to say, you know what, I get to go watch a Cardinal game. Um, I get to, you know, watch them on the, on the, on the, you know, for the away games and um, just allows people to to get back to something they love and gives them something to think about that brings them joy other than uh, a lot of the news that quite frankly isn't very positive right now. What happens in the clubhouse is private, but what can you tell us about it? what that was like to gather your entire team on Friday morning and a very important message to them of what you said, strength, prayer, and unity to keep them abreast of what's happening? Yeah, you know, as we started with that, you know, just just um, what's this look like for, for you and, and, and us, you meaning your families, um, us meaning us as a family. Um, and, you know, and I, and I believe that, that strength is required during this time you know, prayer, um, and then unity, you know, and, and, um, it's just a, requires a lot of different ways of thinking about how we live at the moment and how we communicate and how we are all responsible for being just that socially responsible, which I know the game is taking measures for that industries, governments are doing that, but we all have an individual responsibility to our, to our neighbors, um, and to our families clearly. So, Talk through that, talk through the baseball, and just, um, you know, there's a lot of different questions that come up from players. A lot of the answers require I don't know, um, which is tough for people that, you know, have an expectation of having an answer for people. But, you know, we give the best structure and clarity that, that we do know and and um, just do it together. Mike Schild is with us, Cardinals manager. Just a, a couple left for you, just to talk a little ball with you. Overall, did you feel good about your pitching and – Pitching is really an important thing here, especially starters as we enter this unknown. How, how does that work? And did you like what you saw? Oh, I loved our, I loved our entire camp. You know, um, you look at all the facts, you know, uh, fast as the game. You know, you mentioned pitching. I thought we pitched really, really well. Did the little things, held runners, filled our position very well. The stuff that you want to work on in spring training, but sometimes you don't execute as well. We were ahead of that. Our defense was outstanding. And an area that, candidly, I don't know that, and I'm surprised because people are asking about our offense, asking about our offense, asking about our offense, rightfully so. Who's going to hit here? Who's going to hit there? I get all the questions. 
And then I'm sitting there watching us really take good at bats and have a really good spring offensively. And and you look at it relative to our 2019 spring training, and you look at our 2019 regular season, and you look at it individually and as a group like we've done, and like the needle's moving. Mm-hmm. And no one's asked me one question about our offense being in a good spot. And, <laughs> I was about, and I looking was good. <laughs> okay, well, I'm sorry I didn't let you go, Tom. No, no, no. Uh, timing's everything, right? <laughs> um, no, but I felt like our, our offense was getting in a good place, and uh, and our identity of what we're doing is 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 definitely more clear. Because everybody's hung up on, of course, Ozuna leaves mm-hmm. middle of the order. What do you do? Paul DeYoung looked pretty darn good in the four spot, but I don't know that. That's necessarily what you're talking about. I think you like one through nine, keeping that inning going and and keeping an extension of offense. It looked like you had some of that rolling. Yeah, no question. I mean, we had quality at bats throughout the lineup. I mean, you just think about it. Somebody's going to hit four. Somebody hit one. I mean, somebody's going to do it. End of the day, it's the thing that matters the most. We score at least one more run than the team we're playing. How do we get to do that? Um, And we want to look to be able to do that in a lot of different ways. And we were able to do it this spring. Um, you know, we hit some home runs. You know, our, our OPS was up. Um, our slugging was up. Our average was up. Our on-base percentage was up. So we did it through walks. We did it through, um, you know, driving the ball. You know, we did it with, with our base hits. You know, we did it through, you know, the good base runner. We did it through bunting. You know, it's, it's really the way I think it, it looks at because everybody is going to hit in a different spot in the lineup once the game starts. And because um, the one thing I didn't feel like we did a good enough job last year of was we just didn't situationally hit as well. And uh, we've been really conscious and intentional about that. And, and we were able to see it pay off. The National League Manager of the Year, Mike Schilt. We'll take a break, come back and wrap up this final edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Wrapping up this edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron, alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby. A big thanks to all of our guests. We really enjoyed visiting with Bill DeWitt Jr., also John Mozeliak. Thank you to John Rooney, Eno Saris, and Dr. Patrick Risch. Thanks also to the National League Manager of the Year, Mike Schilt, who wrapped things up for us with Tom Ackerman. Obviously, a lot of uncertainty surrounding when sports will return, when the baseball season will get started. But we thank all of you for joining us each and every week over the offseason for Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. And we will continue to bring you the latest as we get set for the Cardinals eventually to open the season and defend their National League Central Championship. For Mike Claiborne, for our executive producer, Ben Boyd, for Mike Anderson, and for Ann Carroll, I'm Chris Raby saying thanks for joining us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.